Hey everybody, it's Daryl coming at you from Holy Rod Studio Soho. Welcome to Fish Out of Water, a monthly Holy Rod podcast we created at a popular demand to give you some behind the scenes insights on everything that we do here from operations to mistakes to guests to members, a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we hope to shine a light on some of the really cool stuff that we're doing here, but also to explore together our curiosities and all of the lessons that we learn here together. So. Today's guest is going to be the one, the only, Elena Franco. Yay! Hi! (laughs) So I met Elena probably about 10, 15 years ago. I don't know, something like that. Um, We went to high school together, and um, no, I did not plan to go into business with her back then. (laughs) No, we're not that smart. But we were smart to become very close friends, Mm -hmm. and... um, we even had an opportunity to live with each other a little bit in high school, mm. but over the last about decade or so, from college all the way up to now, we have been um, living in different cities and maintaining a relationship through phone calls. But let me tell you, these phone calls have been some of the most insightful and fundamental parts of my life, but also essential part of how Holy Red came to be. So without further ado, I'm going to let Elena intro herself. Hi, I'm Elena Franco, and I'm the Director of Research and Development here at Holy Rod Studio. And, yeah. <laughs> it's a little weird, right? It's a little weird. We're still kind of getting used to this whole yeah. podcast thing. But, um, yeah, we have Saskia here, head of uh, operations and content. And um, we're going to be interviewing Saskia in next episode. But, Sas, why don't you just start it off by um, yeah. asking Elena some questions? I mean, I can jump right in by asking you what is the origin of the title of this podcast? Because Fish mm. Out of Water comes from a conversation that you had with Daryl yeah. about how you were feeling in law school. Yeah. So, this was October 2015. And I just was in my first semester of law school. And I got like the lowest grade of my life ever. And that's a lot, you guys. This this woman is capital A academic at this point, yeah? <laughs> I mean, for a dyslexic, like, uh, it, you know, I'd done pretty well. And this was the lowest grade ever on this paper. And my professor just ripped me a new one. And I just was so confused because I really loved, I was really passionate. I went to law school. Full disclosure, to become an environmental lawyer. I was I was like, anybody who knew me back then, like, that was my fucking... Oops. Yeah, we're, oh, we're dropping we're, F-bombs yeah, here, yeah. you guys. It's just going to happen. So. Um, that was my vision. It was what I was going to do. It was how I was going to contribute. And the law seemed like the best tool to do that. And I just remember calling Daryl and just feeling so defeated um, because it was like two months in. And I was like, Guess maybe I'm not cut out for this. You know, I she, mean, she really ripped you a new one. Yeah. I mean, she basically. I went to the dean for it. Yeah. She basically asked you how you got into law school in the yeah. first place because it was so bad that uh, she didn't deserve she to called be it there. Sloppy and looked like it. She said that it like I hadn't tried hard when I had tried so hard yeah. and I'd gone to her office hours and all that stuff. And for anyone who doesn't know what dyslexia is, it's a neurological difference in my brain where like the, mm-hmm. wh- how, for example, what uh, neurons that fire when Daryl reads are not the same when I read. They're yeah. completely different. Tell us a little bit about like the visual of what your brain looks like on a like scan when you're reading. So yeah, so like it's normally the left part of your brain that like lights up um, to be able to read and actually sound out from the visual letters and the sounds of the word. And for me, I use 100% of my right brain. Those parts never lit up. That's why I was called quote unquote slow. I just eventually learned how to use different parts of my brain. But that's also why like people think my work is sloppy when like I read the correct grammatical sentence. 
I just didn't realize that that wasn't on the page because I know what it's supposed to look like. And so in the legal world, they don't understand that. And so I remember calling Daryl and she was like, Elena, you're like a fish that's like told to climb a tree. And I was like, you're right. I am a fish and (laughs) fish don't climb trees. Yeah. I know. And like, you know, if you were uh, a monkey and you needed and, and, th- and that's really kind of the interesting thing. Right. It comes from a quote that I found, you know, on a Snapple yeah, cap or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. But it stuck with me and it made me think of Elena and so many of the people that I knew. Right. If you judge somebody. Mm. Right. Based off of how somebody else gets something done. Right. So if I'm judging a fish mm-hmm. on how to climb a tree. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is the only form of judgment of whether or not that fish is intelligent. It's going to look pretty fucking stupid. Yeah. But if the test happened to be about swimming, the the monkey and the koala would look pretty stupid. Yeah. Right. And so I really wanted Elena to know. And I'm, I've, I've, I'm not the only one who feels this way. She's one of the most intelligent, hardworking, insightful people that I know. And I, she, I turned to her as my main confidant while I was going through what we discussed in our last episode, which is having no idea what I was doing running the business but to have a friend to call who understood what it was like to be a fish out of water yeah I had no I had no business background I didn't know what I was doing yeah. and and so you know I think um it just uh it felt really poignant to have this podcast be based off of that story because yeah. it, it's it's I think the one thing that brings so many of us together mm-hmm. under the roofs that we have at Holy yeah Rad. because the, the world outside is giving you a cookie cutter way to be and to live your life and what success is and for the majority of us that just does not yeah. fit it's we, like trying to don't. shop at forever 21 you think mm-hmm. those jeans are going to fit everybody that one fit model is just going to yeah. cover all like, <laughs> like it just doesn't no. work right yeah. you know so um so L I'm I think what I actually, it's hard, I think, a little bit to ask mm. you questions because I know you so well. So yeah. I'm trying to come up with something that I haven't <laughs> asked before. But for the sake of everybody to get to know you, can you, can you, can you talk a little bit about your journey of, of getting to that place? What, why did you want to become a lawyer? Why have, why, yeah. I mean, particularly because of being diagnosed with dyslexia at a young age, pursuing academia is not normally what yeah. you're told to do, right? So tell us a little bit about how you got there. Yeah, so I come from a... I come from a family on both sides where education really saved them. My mom's side of the family, which immigrated here um, in the beginning part of the 20th century. And then my dad, who is uh, from Naples, Italy, and comes from very working class, poor backgrounds. School was really uh, the way out, and it was just the way. And so I always came from a family where my parents work in international issues. And so, you know, I was always really passionate and seeing the world's problems and figuring out different tools that I could use to, like, make a difference because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have access to basic needs. And even in America, I mean, we have, like, so many problems. Um, and I became really – I learned about climate change in college, and it just lit a fire under me. And I – looked at all the tools and all the barriers and the law just seemed like the most logical thing to do. And it never even occurred to me that I'm dyslexic and that like I shouldn't do that. You know, I would always, it's, you know, told to just try it. And so I had been pretty successful in college, Mm -hmm. you know, worked a lot towards that and a lot of extra hours, but I was used to putting in the work. So I just like, it just seems so natural. Um, I think that if I remember correctly, you at like seven years old, Or like, like stomp up to your mom or dad and go. I was up to my dad and I was yeah. like, I'm going to be a lawyer. And he was just like, 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, but it always stuck. I, 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 I remember that. And then I kind of lost it in high school. I like, think I wanted to be a human rights lawyer for a while. And then in college, like, once I really learned about climate change, I was like, okay, well, like, this just... It's the most urgent it's issue. It's the most mm -hmm. efficient way to get to a place where I can feel like I am either going to file a lawsuit or I'm going to lobby somebody mm -hmm. or I'm going to write a, like, law bill that becomes... You know, we learned that in the first grade. Like, yeah. how a bill becomes a law. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I was like, well, if those people are making the decisions, then, like, i got to figure out the tool that they're using mm -hmm. so yeah. that I can also effectuate change. Yeah. But over time, as a dyslexic person, there's just no space for anybody who thinks differently or needs different things to get the work done. You know, why don't we tell a little bit about the story, and I don't even think Saskia, you mm. know about this. Why don't you tell a little bit about the story of the lawsuit against Kaplan or? No, it was actually against uh, LSAC. So okay. right before I applied for law school, I, for the longest time they would, if you had any type of disability, they would flag your application and mm. it would be almost impossible for you to get accommodations to actually take the LSAT, which is the exam to get into law school. So it's like the mm. SAT or the yeah, GMAT, exactly. but for law school. And the week before I applied like to submit um, for accommodations, this kid had not gotten accommodations, gone to I think UDC Law School, and then UDC Law School had brought a lawsuit against LSAC, which are the people that like run this stuff, and basically saying, and they had they won, saying it was discriminatory to flag applications. So I got accommodations like this, because this yeah. kid had just won this lawsuit, yeah. and I was like, oh my God, it's a sign, <laughs> like I should go, the times are changing. But that doesn't mean that the institutions no, were prepared. They were no, not at not all. Get it so that opened the floodgates, so I was the first year where like all of a sudden, kids who maybe wouldn't have gotten into law school because they wouldn't have like been able to get a high enough score on the LSAT yeah. to even get into a law school because they didn't get accommodations were able to but the law schools and there's the law schools and there's the legal profession which are two different worlds and the law schools themselves are not prepared I mean yeah they have like places where I can get accommodations for a test in school but as a law clerk as mm -hmm. an actual attorney it doesn't really exist. No. And there is something called attorney-client privilege, which yeah. means for somebody who thrives on collaboration and communicative I, I can't. learning. Unless it's a co-attorney who's already going to have a lot of work on their plate, I can't ask somebody to double-check something for me or to like work with me, or I, meaning I cannot get any outside help. So as somebody mm -hmm. who needs another eye, I just remember feeling so sad. I was like, I don't understand how I'm going to be a lawyer. But then the irony is, is that I was thriving in law school, ended up graduating cum laude. I worked at the honors program at the EPA General Counsel. I worked at Earth Justice, and I was like I mean, getting just all these- Just so that you guys know who that, that don't know about the environmental world, like those are probably two of the best internships that you can get in the industry, period. And this yeah. girl worked her way into those and opened those doors up for herself. And yeah, all by myself. I didn't know yeah. anybody. I So I was like, okay, well, I'm doing well. So like, this is going to work out. And just- as I was working at the EPA, it just became really clear to me that it was not going to be okay because I was working extra hours and I just, as a human, started not to be able to function. Yeah. Like I was getting the work yeah. done. I was getting great. Like, you know, my bosses were loving it, but like my mental health. Yeah. Can you talk about the culture that was kind of pushed onto all of the students? Yeah. To be successful. Really cutthroat. I mean, in law school, just to explain how it works, like you're literally graded against your class. The way that yeah. you get a grade in a class is how well someone else did. So you can know as much as you want, but if someone else wrote a better essay, they're getting the highest grade. Mm -hmm. So you're literally pitted against your own classmates. Yeah, it's and like that's that, the yeah. structure mm -hmm. of the entire thing. They're mm -hmm. like, you better if you didn't, 
sleep four hours and like join this journal and law clerk mm-hmm. here and da, 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 you're failing. Like mm-hmm. it was like, if you don't work yourself to death, it goes back to that same mm-hmm. kind of thing we were talking about last episode that if you don't work yourself to death, you're not trying hard enough. You're not yeah. doing well enough. Like, like working so hard that you can't even go home to mm-hmm. say goodbye to the woman that raised you is a badge of honor of your what? willingness mm-hmm. to sacrifice what? who you are and where you come from to be what, to do what? Yeah. It just, it, and like, I already had to work twice as hard as everyone else. And like, just to just to survive you know it would take me a lot longer to write the memos and then to like edit them and like all these things so let's ground it again back yeah. into how you got here because I mean it's really insightful I think for us to and, and it's an entirely own it's, it's entirely own it's, its own podcast episode wow you guys I'm stuttering um to talk about the legal profession and the yeah. law school I mean mm-hmm. let's not talk about systematic stuff quite yet <laughs> yeah we're not there yet uh, we're just trying to get to know this this wonderful human being right here so Let's kind of track your progress and what landed you here. Because yeah. even at that point when you were at school, we had no idea or it had no, any possibility. I mean, there was always, you were always like, take take a business class, like take take a business law class, like help me. And I was always like, <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever, Gerald. Yeah, but I was always kind of like, I don't, like, that's not really like, I, yeah. you know, I took one and it was the, a tax law professor who taught this like business corporate class. And I just was like, I'm so confused. Like it yeah. just, it didn't well, This wasn't what your passion was. It wasn't. Like I was so passionate about environmental law and but over the years, like we talked, I mean, kind of docked like almost every day. Like, yeah, to get through it. I mean, like, for your, I would never say that what I did was as hard as going through law school because it's pretty hard to do. But it. I would say that they were like quite equally. In like when you stress, were awake at midnight because yeah. like you were driving home, like I was still working. Mm-hmm. So like our schedules. schedules were really aligned. And every time like you would tell me about something that you were doing or we would have conversations, I would just spark something of like, what is that? Sharing? Like, What's sharing a, like is there a law around that like is what kind of a system is that and it just who owns what in that yeah system? and yeah. at the same time like you know not to get political at all but like you know Donald Trump had become president and I had watched all these institutions not think it was a joke you know literally think it was a joke and have to go from scratch into like how they were going to like live the next four years because let's si- not forget the mm-hmm. EPA when he got elected is a part of what the executive branch so all of a sudden your bosses were now coal industry people yeah, exactly. and you were being hired to dismantle what you said you were going to <laughs> dedicated yeah, life got, to. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, even though I'd gotten it under Obama and then the, so all these things were happening at the same time and just watching and always the larger conversations we had, right? Like it was always about like, we were always trying to, we always saw the issues of the world mm-hmm. and it was, and the, the way that we would connect totally right back to that. It was that piece of like, well, if we're doing this, this is like an economic piece of this. And like people are able to thrive and like I am creating like an ecosystem of my business. But then these are all also individual. We were getting that mm. academic context that I would not have understood. I mean, what I was was boots on the ground. There's a problem here. I'm dealing with the symptoms of antiquated um, uh, operations. I'm dealing with the issue of uh, oversaturated sort of debt in in terms of the graduates and in the the, uh, I mean, I'd gone to law school because I was told that I couldn't get the jobs that Mm -hmm. I wanted, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was living part of that thing of why Mm -hmm. you even were like, no, I'm going to freaking try and build Holy Mm -hmm. Rod because I have a trade. I have an actual service I can exchange for Mm -hmm. money to thrive, Mm -hmm. right? That's what we're all trying to get. I'm trying to be hired so that I have money to be like, Mm -hmm. to be able to live. Like that was the whole purpose. And so we broke it all down. Like it always got back to like the reasons why I was organizing and lobbying and doing all these things or like, you know, for the environment because the system isn't working it's not working mm-hmm. so i was yeah. just at a different or at degree. least not for everyone yeah. yeah i was just at a different degree and so i mean 
I didn't know I was going to join Holy Rad probably until the I um, graduated law school. Like yeah. it had come to where I was just applying for these jobs that I was like, I'm never, I'm, I'm going to die doing that. Like mm. I could do it, but like at what cost to my physical body? And is that even worth it? I'd like to also um, reveal a little bit, um, even to Saskia, because it's funny. Like we we talk to each other every day, but I'm mm. not even sure how much Saskia knows about mm. this part of the story. And it was the realization that the issues that I was kind of itching at, kind of mm. scratching at, were pervasive across almost every person that was trying to enter the economy at the time. Yeah. I'm, not also, I'm also not talking about recent graduates. Mm. Although, of course, having been mm. recent graduates, those are the people that we were talking to the most. But anybody trying to make an idea a reality, an yeah. economic reality, yeah. I mean it's systematic gatekeepers yeah. right and not even necessarily because there's some evil man behind that coat and like behind the curtain in the wizard of oz but because people are not creating intersectional like not creating intersectional dots right they're not they're not connecting those dots yeah. right it's very rare for a student in law school right to be having daily deep like emotionally taxing conversations about the issues that a freelance artist mm -hmm. was having in New York City. Yeah. I mean, talk about two completely different worlds, but the intersection of those conversations, we started connecting some really yeah. powerful dots. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what led you to realize that, ironically, you might even be more effective in the private sector than and the public. And that's the irony of the entire thing is I had spent, the reason I went to law school is because it's these big private corporations that are like the 1% and I must learn to fight them. And so if I create laws or I file lawsuits or whatever, I organize like in the grassroots level. But the irony is, is that you keep hitting a wall because they still have tools to go about mm -hmm. the same tools that I'm trying to like, if I write a new law, they'll just lobby and get someone to like rewrite a rule that like excludes them. So you're keeping mm -hmm. at bay. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so that's the irony of joining Holy Rod. And I think really my title of like research and development and this and that you're like, how does Holy Rod have an R&D department? Isn't that for like a product mm -hmm. in like a tech company yeah. or mm -hmm. something? It's mm -hmm. like, no, it's because the issues that we're dealing with and why I'm even here is about the larger picture. Mm -hmm. It is about connecting those dots. And it's like the same time that you called me and you're like, NYU won't let me take a business class. And I was mm -hmm. like, I'm sorry, an academic, you're literally there to learn and they're like preventing you from mm -hmm. learning. I wasn't smart enough because like, I only got into Tish and you have to be smarter if you want to get into it. And I'd like to point out that at Tish, only 54 out of 128 credits goes to your craft. Wow. Yeah, wow. that is So true. why couldn't... I can't do the math, but why couldn't the rest of those credits <laughs> yeah. involve a business class? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think, you know, I don't want to speak against the institution because there's so many wonderful people that mm -hmm. I met there and I'm very grateful to have had the privilege opportunity to go get an education. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I also reserve the right to critique it. Mm -hmm. And that 100%. critique is that if you create a business, if you go out into the world and you go to, let, let's just let's just talk about uh, MoMA or David's Werner, mm -hmm. right? Private mm -hmm. or public mm -hmm. arts organization. Is there not a CFO? Is there not an accountant? Is there not a lawyer? So mm -hmm. even within Tisch, do you know how rare it was for Tisch film students to even actually hire actors from Tisch? Or did they mm. go outsource them? Exactly. They outsource them. So intersectionality, creating community underneath one roof is is something mm -hmm. that's so important. Yeah. You know? And I think this opens up to kind of like my journey, one kind of continuing to hold the hat as a lawyer and my struggle with that in the first year which was I had felt like I had worked so hard I graduated cum laude I had done so well especially after my first grade you know in law school and feeling the need to kind of 
be a lawyer, right? The, to, the need to keep that identity yeah. and to take the bar and to like do that because I thought that I should bring that to Holy Rad, you know, because I had never seen a lawyer not be an actual lawyer in a, in a, in, in a business setting or and in any setting. We come back like, to honestly, the whole fish out of water thing, I had right? Never seen, lawyers like, become lawyers. Mm -hmm. That's what they That's do. That's what they do. They don't do anything else. I'd never thought of the concept of like, not becoming a lawyer and just using all of my knowledge and just being a smart business person yeah and a smart business owner because i had that knowledge yeah. you know and i learned that the hard way even though i should have listened to my gut but I, I don't regret taking the bar and then not passing the bar by like two points you know that's something that's like still kind of hard for me but mm -hmm. at the same time that was the best thing that ever happened mm -hmm. to me because i don't want to be a lawyer mm -hmm. i want to share yeah. the law i want to teach i want to create like take everything I learned in law school, which was flow charting and bringing the visual piece that no one wants to read through that dense text. Fuck that shit. I, like that shit. Sucks. I don't know if anybody has gotten a contract from a client or even <laughs> to like, I don't even know, like rent a car, but it is pages and pages or and pages. Or terms and agreement. Like, <laughs> ain't nobody want to yeah. read that. But guess what? What's in there could hurt you. I could know. be, there's a lot of things in there that's essential for you to know. So you want to be an equalizer. You want to fix that. I want to draw mm -hmm. the law. Yeah. I mm -hmm. want to create visual things that will help people navigate because the law is a fundamental like roadmap of how we've decided in our society that mm -hmm. we're going to live and determine mm -hmm. morality. Whether yeah. I agree with it or not, yeah. that is the that tool. Is the and that's also why I went to law mm -hmm. school because I was like, that seems really important to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like of all the things, it's like being a doctor, like yeah. how the body works, how to heal it. Like, um, so what's your vision now? I think what was, what was it? I think that finally got you to say, you know what? Fuck it. It was working and studying for the bar, teaching it to myself and being miserable, being miserable. And, but also realizing that like, I couldn't even be the lawyer that I wanted to be in the way that I wanted to be because of how unique our business structure is and all the mm -hmm. barriers I would have mm -hmm. encountered, right? And so actually releasing that identity and just realizing that like that knowledge doesn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm just a regular human being that just happens to have the ability to understand the law and to use the law and to, under, and to understand and to share it. I want to mm -hmm. share it. That's not what being a lawyer is. Yeah. Being a lawyer is you come to me and I will you know, help you in your specific instance navigate that. I want to share the law. It's essential for people to understand. So that's like one piece. But then the other piece is really to study the business model. And I think mm -hmm. that's something that I've really gained, gaining a lot of skills in is how are we thriving as a business? What are the mm. deep data points, right? Like how are our spaces thriving, right? Like what's, what's the, the actual upward mm -hmm. mobility of yeah. our members? Yeah. Are they actually seeing a difference from our resources? Are our programs even mm -hmm. working? Yeah. Mm. And how much space occupancy is being used, mm. you know, mm. Saskia is great with the numbers and really like looking at that and being like, okay, well, like, how can we improve? Or wow, last year, Clinton Hill was like 50% commercial, 50% member. Now it's probably like mm. 25, 75. Like, yeah. what does mm. that say for the larger vision when we want to share mm. this model with other people? And also, we don't necessarily want to franchise. What are all the other creative legal ways mm. that we can share this model with people that don't necessarily have? Hold on. Apple? I just want to stop for a second. She said creative legal ways. That's so powerful. I do not know very many people who have put legal and creative in the same sentence. Mm. And I think that that's something that is so inspiring for me to look at you, Elena, is that you gave yourself permission to change your mind yeah. inside and, and, and to use the skills you had against all of that sort of indoctrinated mm -hmm. sort of like lawyers become lawyers mm -hmm. like you go to law in my w world right 
photographer and an artist. You get to be fluid. Mm-hmm. You're constantly mm-hmm. changing. You're a unique butterfly in an ocean of blandness. Like, that's what you are. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I just want to commend you for how powerful it is to just be around you as an example of you can create your own reality and Um, you do not have to fit fit and shave Mm -hmm. yourself off into this Mm -hmm. cookie cutter thing Mm -hmm. it's that's not normal it's just a can it's just an operational convenience that we've baked into our system that we seem to all Mm -hmm. agree on for whatever reason i think it was also the seeing the pressure that your education had put on you to follow exactly what you had done in school and when you when you didn't pass the bar and you found out and I came to your apartment and I said, do you even want to be a lawyer or do you feel like that's what you have to do because you went to school for it? Like, do you actually want to be writing our contracts at the studio or do you feel like because I can duty? still do that. Yeah. Just I'm not the lawyer. And that was such a powerful Sasuke. When you said that to me, like, do, do, why do you feel like you need to do this? Like, just because you went to school for it. And why can't you change your why? Path? And I just remember being like, Wait, such a good question. I I, I don't know. Like, I don't lose the knowledge. I'm still Mm -hmm. the individual. And I can still do what I want to do. But I had been so Mm -hmm. stuck in that box Mm -hmm. that, like, and everyone around me, I mean, my own mentors in law school Mm -hmm. told me not to come to New York and to, Mm -hmm. like, be in business Mm -hmm. with my best friend. They were like, Mm -hmm. that's go work for a law firm. Like, what are you doing? You know? And I just was like, did you not Mm -hmm. see how much I almost died Mm -hmm. just trying to get this, Mm -hmm. like, all these accolades? But maybe they died and they need to justify. Like, that's, I think, something that, Saskia even told I think you told me that one time it's just like why do uh why do people intern right when they don't get any of the credit and do all the work mm-hmm. for the person that they're working for for mm-hmm. free and I think what did you say oh I said because the person they're working for had to do that for someone else yeah. exactly like and I so went we just, well now it's your turn because yeah. I did that yeah, yeah. I suffer. So now I you suffer. That. Exactly. Yeah. Whoa. What uh, a concept. Like yeah. that should not be replicated. No. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's very much the Holy Red movement. It's like, yeah, this was my story. This was my struggle. But let me like make a situation, right, with these tools. And actually I can maybe make it better. And I make it a little bit easier for the next people who are graduating and mm-hmm. losing all their resources. You know the irony of all that? It makes us just as much money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing. I mean, I just, yeah, I think this goes back to like, it was really hard for me to let go of my identity as a lawyer as an environmental lawyer mm-hmm. right and holy rad is just such a place for the merging of all that and the releasing of identities and the creating of things that have never been created before right which mm-hmm. has come from the intersection of everything which mm-hmm. is what this business but is. also continuing to learn outside of an education yeah, you know? i like love even learning teaching, i teaching you know I, when when i sat with you i said that i also felt a lot of pressure that I had to be the only one editing at yeah. Holy Red and I had to be the only one shooting at Holy Red because yeah. I went to school for it. Yeah. But I've been sitting with you and teaching you how to do that exactly. and now you set up the camera and you shoot. Exactly. But that wasn't learned exactly. in an institution that was taught by someone else, you know, after that I point. never even considered being an artist. I never thought that that was like, you know, that that path, right? Mm-hmm. And now I know how to produce and like mm-hmm. I know how to like... Be she assistant. set up the lights here? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the camera, Mm -hmm. and I, you know, know minimal editing in Premiere, and at least, like, kind of how to use InDesign Mm -hmm. a little bit, you know? Like, didn't even know what those things were. Had no idea a year ago. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? I mean, I just am kind of, like, having a looking back on it now (laughs) moment, and it's just it feels so right, and we could have never predicted it, and all, all that you did was just take a chance on yourself and it's, yeah. it's great 
No, I feel very lucky, you know, all of our conversations always so inspired me, you know, like just, cause you're such a doer and I'm more in the cloud sometimes, mm. but just watching you be like, okay, no, and this, yeah. and like go, like it just was like, cause that's what I was doing in like all of my other activist self. Like I was organizing and I was part of all these different communities that were like fighting this or fighting that. But like, it just seems like to hit a dead end. But like you took that same mentality, those same skills and we're and doing it in this other- further. Mm -hmm. yeah. You just go, you just go one more step. Mm -hmm. And just watching you do that, I was like, yeah, huh. And then to start researching and to see that like a lot of other people were talking about very similar things mm. and there are all these other people doing this and these different things and that like that this is a real thing that you can there are new ways to do business that yeah. aren't harmful. I mean I think you even found mm -hmm. a law book that yeah. was about using Shout the out law. to Janelle Orsi. We love Janelle Orsi. We love you, Janelle Orsi. Um what's the book called actually if people want to read it? Uh it's called The Law and the Sharing Economy. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Janelle Orsi, G E J J a N E double L E. I don't know. Um, Anyways, just Google it. She <laughs> has. It's called the. S oh crap! I can't remember the. She has her own kind of like nonprofit like law firm, but she wrote this whole book on like what does the sharing economy look like for lawyers, and that looks yeah. like we already have that, right? It goes back to like how the whole concepts of holy rod aren't new ideas, mm -hmm. like co-op models, like like all of a sudden the bartering. Yeah. probably yeah. existed before it, money yeah. literally like, and now yeah. illegal yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah I but you know let's well it seems to me that we are got to have a podcast just specifically about like why um why uh the law is not meant to actually do anything but keep us in the same yeah. system um of like what we like to call domination and control yep. but at the end of the day it's also about how you can use a tool yes. that people think is the root of all evil like money and 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 the law and you can actually use it as a tool for good exactly. and so let's let's just pin that we'll see if we can get back yeah, to that i mean i think it goes just like the concept and that for me was really powerful was that everything can be neutral mm -hmm. positive and negative and once you know and really seeing that i didn't have to be a lawyer in that way and i could still everyone deals with the law every single day, mm -hmm. yeah. walking across the street, yeah. like- Buying and, anything. Yeah, yeah, like agreeing to like some new app that you're downloading. Mm -hmm. You yeah. just agreed to like, mm -hmm. I don't know, be part of the centipede, mm -hmm. like in- mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Agreeing, Park, agreeing to anything, yeah. 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 You know, and especially as the economy changes and the, you know, the institutions that we fight so hard to do things don't always do things. So how can we ourselves, right? That goes back to be like- empowered. Be empowered mm -hmm. and, not wait. Yeah. Not wait for somebody to give you permission. Yeah. 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 So we've got like a couple of minutes left. Mm -hmm. I feel like Saskia is, we, we know each other really well yeah. and we have gotten to know each other really well as partners over the mm -hmm. last like two mm -hmm. years. Um, and, and, uh, but I'd, I'd be curious, like, what do you, what don't you know about Elena? Have we already run through it all? I mean, <laughs> or what do you think I'd, people would want to know? I wish that I could show people what you'd look like after the bar finished <laughs> and what you look like now <laughs> because that was and I remember when you called and you said or you texted and you said you didn't yeah. you know you didn't pass and I went to your apartment and I looked at you and you looked like you had poison injected into you from like the last year mm. and I I it is completely removed now yeah, yeah. and I I also said to you that you you hate the bar, you hate everything yeah. it stands for, and yeah. the universe was telling you that if you hate it, you're not gonna pass it, and you will not carry it with you. Yeah, no, that was one of the most powerful conversations, and Sorry I think- Sorry about the uh, little yeah. uh, 
I'm not sure if you guys can hear the uh, ambulances right now, but we're like coming at you real live from Soho. So yeah, and I mean, as we go into your 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 interview, Saskia, it'll be revealed how much our stories are so similar mm-hmm. and how important that specific mm-hmm. moment was in my mm-hmm. life. Because even though I was getting supposedly rejected, mm-hmm. which at the end of the day, I was like working. Mm-hmm taught myself everything mm. by myself. There was so much to celebrate. Class, yeah. like, mm. Taught myself all these areas of mm. law that I had mm-hmm. ne- like literally by myself. Like as we're like doing a mm. Kickstarter, opening up a second location. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, she was still working, you guys. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. only took the month of July off. And yeah. All because I thought I should. Yeah. All because I thought I should, you know? And the liberation of being mm. like, actually, no. Mm. Whoa. And actually, yeah. like, wait a minute, those skills, that knowledge doesn't go anywhere. I still learned so much about, like, random areas exactly. of law that, yeah. like, actually are going to come in real. Again, mm. that's my role as research mm. and development. Like, they're, it's all going to come full circle. And let's mm. not forget the fact that once you become a barred lawyer, you are then committed to a attorney-client privilege structure, which means that every single time, if Elena had a passed the bar and decided to become a fully barred lawyer, she would have had to take on the liability of the advice that she was giving. Yeah, which would have blocked me from doing office hours, mm-hmm. right? Because and I would educate been- other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, something that I want to people to share, I, I want to share for people is 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 not to put down. The legal profession, because let me tell you, there are lawyers out no, there. Lawyers are important. That are, are making a difference, making a huge amount of difference, yeah. and there should be an incredible amount of respect for yeah. those individuals. At the same time, why don't we close out on a little bit of a story that you learned in law school about why you become a lawyer and why it's licensed? You remember what that was? What? How come lawyers have jobs? Oh, oh, <laughs> wow! I can't believe I forgot this. Lawyers have jobs because we write the contracts we write the law the reason why you got to take out a book of definitions of all these legalese is because we make it complicated so that you, you keep hiring us because yeah. if you figured it out yourself and this is not to shit on all the lawyers but like you all know this is true the reason why we exist and are still a powerful profession is because we've made it so complicated that you can't do it by yourself you need an expert outside of yourself and the holy red mood is is that you need to be your own boss and you need to be empowered you may not need to be a master but learn the tools enough and find the people that can help you but everybody should be able to understand the law enough people to, to navigate yeah. that to me is crazy that like you must rely on somebody else to, to participate be, in democracy. Like what? <laughs> to protect yourself. To yeah. protect yourself. Yeah. To, like, yeah. But let's let let's let's save some of that for yeah. another yeah. day because it's 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 a fantastic topic to explore. But um, I just want to say thank you guys again for coming and listening to us today. Um, this is episode two. Yeah. We've got another wonderful episode coming on um, next month where we're going to be interviewing the beautiful, sensational, <laughs> yes. dynamic, Saskia. young star. <laughs> <laughs> Saskia DeBorograv. Yes. So um, definitely stay tuned for that. We're going to talk a little bit about um, her story and what she does here, and hopefully uh, it'll resonate with you too. So thank you and good night. <laughs> good night. <laughs>